Welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 73 movies, one cage. Today we're talking about Nevron Tuesday, which came out in 1989. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this movie is a doozy. It's one of the two, along with the best of times, that is just not out on DVD. I had to find like a VHS copy and converted that to DVD because this is just nowhere. It's just not available. Uh, the movie is written and directed by Adam Rifkin, who before a couple months ago I, I didn't know about, but I, I saw Giuseppe Makes a Movie, which is a documentary he made about another filmmaker, which is a pretty crazy and weird movie. And then just last week, the Draft House showed Psycho Cop 2, or Psycho Cop Returns, which is a couple movies down the line, which is actually a lot of fun. But this is his first movie. The most notable thing about this movie is the level of guest stars that somehow he gets to play in this movie. Cage himself is one of those uh, cameo guest stars, you know, and they're all pretty much stars at this point in their careers, too, you know. It's not like this is their first appearance and they went on to become somebody. This guy got famous actors to just show up and, you know, in and out of his movie. And, like, for no more than a minute or two at a time, like, it's so weird. One of the other guest stars in the movie is Charlie Sheen, who had just finished filming Wall Street, and they flew him out to do this, like, two-minute scene, probably one day of shooting, and then he was done. Yeah, everyone is so, so like, the people in the movie, they, like, break down in the desert, and all the cameos are people who stop to see if they can help or whatever, and, uh, yeah, and, like, Gilbert Godfrey plays, like, a salesman, and, you know, Emilio Estevez is a, is a tow truck driver it's just very strange you made a point to me last night that he sort of that adam rifkin must know the brat pack did he grow up with these guys does he know the oh. brat pack like is he on the you know is he within the orbit of these guys i know that uh, carrie ells is also a uh, one of the t- tow truck drivers i really didn't recognize him and his brother is one of the producers so i sort of that one you know that's a connection that makes sense you know i'm looking for reasons such as that for to explain everyone else in this movie yeah i feel like he knew the brad pack or knew someone who knew the brad pack and that's how he got judd nelson he got emilio through emilio got Charlie Sheen, mm-hmm. but really, the missing link to all this, assuming that there is a Brat Pack connection somehow, the missing link is Cage, and I, I can't find online where Nicolas Cage came from, why he's affiliated with this movie. It's very strange. <laughs> That's all that keeps running through my head. Like, you know, maybe there was, like, no one came knocking after he took the vampire's kiss because after doing Moonstruck, like, it didn't seem like the greatest career move necessarily at the time. So maybe he was just, like, looking for work or, you know, people were calling and he was just up for anything and someone said, you know, oh, the role, like, you could just come and make it up and do whatever you like. We don't care as long as, you know, we have your name in the movie (laughs) and but like all these actors are uncredited like the movie is two guys driving from ohio to california what are they doing boobs or bust (laughs) because on their car they have a bumper sticker that says california or boobs yeah and the movie sort of starts with this super eight footage of girls at the beach from behind and they're just commenting on like well man when we get to california like It'll be all we can handle, you know? (laughs) It's it's like butt after butt after butt. It reminded me of Bob's Burgers where Tina's just flying by and pinching all the boys' butts. (laughs) But just all girls' butts, like in bikinis on the beach. They're going to California. They get into, like, like, the whole movie is just stupid. They get into a stupid fight in the car. Peter Berg, who is now a big director, 
who directed Hancock. He's directed a bunch of TV episodes lately. He directed a couple episodes of The Leftovers, a couple episodes of a couple other shows that I watch. He's He just wants to have like the perfect hair, even though nobody's around. And he sort of starts getting into a fight with the driver. Yeah. And they crash into a car, the only other car on the entire road. Who And there's a girl going from California to New York for a photography session. Why anybody in New York would hire a California photographer, I don't know. <laughs> but she's driving cross-country for this gig. They crash into each other. And then the three of them spend the rest of the movie on the side of the road, basically waiting to get towed. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is cre- uncredited as man in red sports car. And as I'm watching it, the car of the girl, and the girl is named Tuesday, so never on Tuesday. He's uncredited as man in red sports car, and Tuesday is driving a red car. And so when you see the red car, I sort of forgot that it was sports car I was looking for. I was like, oh, here comes Cage, here comes Cage. And it's not. It's this actress, Claudia Christian, just this beautiful 80s actress, and they crash into each other. And then as they're talking, like within like a minute or two of them crashing and getting out and talking to each other, Red Sports Car pulls up, and here's our boy Nick Cage. Yeah, I also fell for the Red Sports Car herring. <laughs> Dude, like, I was, at first I was like, there's no way they're going to use him up right in the beginning of the movie. And then sure enough, the girl gets out of the car. But like literally five minutes later, he comes driving down the road in, in his, you know, in the titular red sports car that he is named thereafter. Yes. So <laughs> I was, I don't like really talking about my notes because... I feel like the way that we do the podcast, we should just like say what's in our notes without referring to our notes. But as I was, I was writing notes, because I was basically going to take notes until Cage showed up, as I was writing down Bernie the attorney and Saul the something else, the, the guys are just talking about their relatives. They're like, oh, you're going to New York? Maybe you know my uncle, Bernie, Bernie the attorney? And I'm just sort of like taking notes just to see if anything means anything later. And then the red sports car shows up, and I stop taking notes. And I just write down red sports car in all capital letters. Like, this is our moment. (laughs) This is what I've been waiting for. This is the only reason that we're watching this movie that nobody else probably has ever seen anywhere. And then Nick Cage, the entire scene of the car pulling up and then driving away is like a minute. And it's on YouTube and we'll embed it. We've already embedded it in our reviews. We'll embed it in the the post for this podcast on cageclub.me. It's a minute long. He's only on screen for maybe 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know... <laughs> I, I have no words to describe how wonderful this scene is. It uh, caught me off guard. Let me just say that much. <laughs> like I, It exceeded any expectations I could have possibly had. There's no way to prepare for what you see. He gets out of the car, and his back is to the camera... And, like, he's driving a red Ferrari. I'd be like, oh, this is, like, the cool guy. And I was thinking, like, Nicolas Cage always plays the cool guy. The only time he's ever really not played the cool guy was in Peggy Sue Got Married. But even in that nerdy, awkward body, he was still the coolest guy in school. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you're expecting him to be, like, this macho, ultimate, like, hunk who's going to steal this girl away. But he gets out of the car and then turns toward the camera. And he's wearing... Like a six-inch prosthetic (laughs) nose. And he's got really long, not styled at all, or intentionally styled poorly hair. And his voice 
is crazier than any voice he's had so far. He looked like a bird man. I was so taken aback at first by his appearance that I wasn't even sure exactly what I was looking at. I mean, his like the nose is clearly a prosthetic, but it's done in such a way that it's supposed to be the character's real nose, you know? So I'm just trying to figure out choices here what is going on like <laughs> reasons behind all this like you make it actually you you actually brought some clarity to to this for me because you mentioned you know he is usually a stud and you would expect like a you know a very handsome guy to be getting out of that ferrari and to basically like the geekiest dweebiest possible character you can imagine you know is what he's going for we can't really explain it anymore we're just going to play the audio you can take for it what you will Go watch the video on YouTube. Just search Never on Tuesday, Nicolas Cage. It's a minute long. It's amazing. Is anybody hurt? No, everybody's fine. Did I get somebody left? No, man, that's all right. Uh, got everything under control. You know what, like, really strikes me about it? Like, when he first gets out of the car and he asks if anyone's hurt, but he looks so incredibly concerned, like he's on the verge of tears. Like he's, like it's almost as if he got out and he saw like a massacre or something instead of three kids hanging out on the side of the road. It was just like very strange. And then he asked if he could give anyone a lift. You know, Peter Berg is kind of like, get out of here, man. Like, not in so many words, but he kind of makes the signal. He's like, he's like, you know, we're trying to hit on this chick. Like, yeah, stop blowing up our spot. Right, like, you're blowing we up our spot. We're, we're in a good thing here. We just crashed into this girl's car. Stop trying to take it away from me. And uh, and he totally understands. Like, he picks up on that. He picks up on that immediately. He's like, uh, <laughs> and he just like like releases this cackle. It's like a cackle. It's like not even a laugh. It's like he can't catch his breath and he's laughing at the same time. I don't know. And then he gets back into his car and, and he's off down the desert road almost as if like he was a mirage in the first place. Like He just was never there to begin with. My sister started watching the movie with me and then she went upstairs because there's really nothing to see about this. And then she came back down to grab something and I was like, ooh, red sports car, red sports car, just watch this. He's not going to be there very long. And we watched the scene... And we both crack up. Like, there's no way that, especially if you're doing something like what we're doing, that this isn't going to be, like, the f- your favorite thing that you've ever seen. <laughs> and we're both cracking up. And then after, like, a minute or two, I'm still letting the movie play. She goes back upstairs. And then, like, 30 seconds later, I just crack up again. <laughs> like, not even just, like, thinking about it. Like, does anybody need a lift? <laughs> I just can't stop laughing. And she... She's like, are you still laughing at the thing? And I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't help myself. And then she just comes back out, and we just, like, I laughed so hard <laughs> for close to ten minutes. I was crying, like, my body hurt. <laughs> All we knew about Never on Tuesday when we started this thing was that it's not available on DVD, he's uncredited as Man in Red Sports Car, and there's people credited as Zombie in the movie. Like, that's it. Like, there's, that's all we knew. And there, I, there's no way that I ever could have predicted that this would have been this perfect and this wonderful of a 30-second, one-minute-long scene. Like, 
if if I wasn't so excited to do the rest of Cage Club, like we're like it can't get better. <laughs> You're done. Like, this is the this is the pinnacle. <laughs> the mic is dropped. There's a couple other Nicholas Cage podcasts out there that do a really great job, but a lot of them aren't doing everything. And I'm so glad that we chose to do everything because we have this, and this is so good. I uh, I spent the rest of the movie basically imagining, you know, what if they had taken him up on his offer and they all piled into the sports car together and, you know, hightailed it for the nearest gas station. That movie, to me, might <laughs> might end up, would have ended up surpassing Raising Arizona, you know, as like a top favorite or something like that. Like, I just kept picturing that in my mind, you know, getting to know more about his character, like learning about his face and his his nose and just where did he come from where is he going because whether he came from money like i don't like to think that this character came from money i like to think that he's a self-made man that somehow in spite of that ridiculous face or maybe because of it he's doing well enough in life to own a red ferrari and very, it seems like very stylish for the time, 80s clothes. You know what I mean? Well, it almost seems like that jacket came with the car. Like, he's the kind Maybe. of guy that wears, you know what I mean? Like, you buy a Ferrari, they're going to give you a, a nice coat or something. Yeah. And uh, his jacket was red. It kind of looked like it bashed. And it just immediately came to mind, like, that came with the car. And he's the kind of guy that would that would wear it. <laughs> like, and then he'd be in a restaurant somewhere and someone would notice his jacket, you know, and he'd be like, I'll come outside and check out my Ferrari. <laughs> like, the, the rest of the movie's not even worth talking about, really. You know, the, the cameos pop in. The Gilbert Gottfried scene I actually like a lot. Judd Nelson um, was insane, like, over the top. Uh, someone, certifiably, someone should have, like, called a doctor on set for that scene. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's very confusing and very intense. There's a nice scene later where they're sitting around a campfire and uh, one of the characters is telling a story. It's probably the the, sort of the the sweetest moment or the the most enjoyable moment, maybe, of the movie. Yeah, I think it's the most well-directed moment, too, probably. Because, like, as he's telling the ghost story, uh, like, the fog rolls in and, like, it... Oh, basically, the story starts like coming to life, like around the characters, and that's the part with the zombies. I was like, "Oh, the zombies! Okay, that's where they come into play." The cars crash into each other, and then instead of calling for help or instead of getting help, they just sort of they spend the night overnight there. You made a good point to me last night that you think it might sort of it could be maybe like purgatory, like they might have died. Oh yeah, in the accident. Yeah, so I think that that line of reasoning started from basically thinking like this was going to be just another sort of horny teen comedy you know where they're like chasing girls the whole time and then when they broke down on the side of the road i was like oh it's like turning into this like indie dramedy and then i was like halfway through the movie i was like this movie is so crazy and there's so many sort of dream sequences i was almost wondering if they all died in that car crash and all this is just like characters they're meeting on the road to heaven and or hell depending on which way uh, like they're going up and down the highway so like nick cage is in red in a red sports car who knew if he was like well maybe he's the devil maybe he was the devil like luring them to hell or something i don't know that just came to mind now but yeah i definitely got a tinge of like purgatory out of this film it reminded me a lot of a movie that i saw last year called the incident it's two stories in a movie about people who get trapped in a space for a long time. I think it's something like 35 years. One family gets trapped on a road like this, and it's sort of purgatory-ish. 
I, I didn't think about that movie until I heard your theory, but it's if you if you want to see sort of Mike's theory done in a well-made movie, check out The Incident. There's no Nick Cage, but it's pretty cool and worth checking out. Do you have any other thoughts about Never um, on Tuesday? I don't know that I can clarify well enough to formulate a sentence. <laughs> I just think that, you know, uh, you don't have to watch this whole movie, but to get the full impact of Cage, maybe you should just start watching it from the beginning, you know, until he shows up rather than if you can, if you can, if not, you know, just go to YouTube and check out the clip of him. But uh, yeah, that lead up just sort of, I was not expecting him to show up so soon, you know, so it's, with, it's within I, the first 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Of the movie. Yeah. And so you also get a good idea of like, um, what the movie's going to sort of be about and where it's going and everything like that so that when he shows up, you understand, like, there's a context to what, what's going on and everything. And then you, unlike us who's doing this project, you can just stop watching the movie. Like, <laughs> you don't have to watch the full 90 minutes. You can just give up. Yeah. Congratulations to you for saving some time. Next time on Cage Club, we have Time to Kill, which I think maybe... I don't know much about it. I know that the, the name's in Italian, so maybe following the Vampire's Kiss semi-debacle... Maybe he couldn't get work in Hollywood and had to go to Italy to make a movie? I'm not sure of the backstory of that. Mm. That's something to think about. We could talk about next time. And then following that, we have the David Lynch double feature of Wild at Heart and Industrial Symphony Number 1. So it could be David Lynch who returns Nicolas Cage to his Hollywood presence. Because again, Wild at Heart, he's incredible in Wild at Heart. It's, it's sort of like a, maybe like a Travolta and Tarantino in Pulp Fiction, like David Lynch saved him uh-huh. and brought him back to stardom. I'm not sure, but this is a very good week, and we kicked it off, I think, in a great way with Never on Tuesday. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes from here, that's for damn sure. I mean, there's nowhere to go but down, because this is peak this is just peak acting. Like this is, it's perfect in every sense of the word. It was um, a stroke of luck for this director to capture it on film, and I believe, if not for anything else, we're forever grateful he did that. Thank you, Adam Rifkin. This has been Cage Club, episode 13. For more on Cage Club, to read our reviews, to find all of our other podcasts, go to cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Mike Manzi. We'll see you next time here on Cage Club. Yeah.